0: One of the things that when I first started preaching, I I had determined I wanted to be known for preaching the Bible and preaching about Jesus, and uh, my life verses from Acts eight thirty five. Then Philip opened his mouth, and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. Of course, that's taken from the story of the Ethiopian eunuch getting saved, and and uh, Philip had heard him reading Isaiah fifty three as he traveled down the road. And, uh, and he took Isaiah 53 and showed him Jesus. And again, just thinking about that, praying about that this morning. And we're going to go that direction. We're going to look at Jesus this morning. Amen. So take your Bibles and uh, turn open it anywhere. It's all good and it's all about him. Uh, but if you want to be where I'm going to be, go to John chapter 12. Now listen, you've got to laugh when I think they're funny. If I have to wait for you, dinner's going to burn. Okay, that's just the way it is. You know, I don't know how long your part of the service is. I know how long mine is. But uh, anyway, you got to work with me this morning. I know it's a snowy morning. Everybody's just kind of, you know, trying to get with it. And, uh, but uh, uh, I'm sure happy to be in church today. I'd rather be here than anywhere. Amen? In church. I like it. Uh, John chapter number 12. We're going to begin reading in verse number 20. We'll read a fair amount of scripture here just to get the context. Notice here it says in verse 20, And there were certain Greeks... There were certain Greeks, excuse me, among them that came up uh, to worship at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, Him will my Father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. I'm going to pause right here. You understand what Jesus is talking about. In the early part of the chapter here, verses 12 to 19, Jesus had just had the triumphal entry. He'd ridden that donkey into the city, and everybody was worshiping him, but a week later they're going to crucify him. And so he's talking about that, that he's about to be crucified. And, and so he's telling them, I'm going to die. And he's, that's what he's talking about when a corn of wheat fall into the ground. It's a picture of his resurrection, you know, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he says in verse number 27, he said, am I supposed to pray to the Father to, to save me from this hour? Of course, we know he does pray in the garden as he prayed with the disciples. Uh, Father, be possible, let this cup pass from me. And uh, what He was talking about was taking the guilt of our sin upon Him. But He says there in the last part of verse 27, But for this cause came I unto this hour. It's the whole reason Jesus came, was the crucifixion. Father, glorify, verse number 28, Father, glorify Thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered others said that an angel spake in him Jesus answered and said this voice came not because of me but for your sakes now is the judgment of this world now shall the prince of this earth uh, of this world excuse me be cast out and if i be lifted up from the earth will draw and i if i be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? That's a good question. Then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light. Lest darkness come upon you, for he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Whilst ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and hid himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before before them, yet they believed not on him." that the saying of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? What an amazing passage of Scripture. Let's pray, and we'll get right into the the message for this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege of being in church this morning. and Father, we do pray that you would be with Pastor Harold this morning as he's struggling with his asthma. And thank you that uh, we were able to come over and be a part of the service And So, Father, I pray you'd raise up your servant this morning. I pray you'd touch his body and heal him and uh, get him back in his place. But, Father, we also ask that you meet with us in this room this morning. We need you today. I need you as I speak. Dear Holy Spirit, would you control my mind, control my thoughts. Help me to say what you once said this morning. I pray that the Word of God uh, might be used this morning to lift up the Savior. May each of us get a fresh look at Him today, for it's in His name we pray. Amen. As we see this text in John 12, it, in the context, it occurs right after the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Of course, that's in John chapter 11. Many of the Jews, it tells us, believed on Jesus because of, the, uh, of Lazarus being raised. It said in John eleven forty five. 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on Him. Chapter 12 then sees Jesus in his triumphal entry he comes into Jerusalem, and people are worshiping him. And in the middle of all of that, as he comes into Jerusalem, a group of Greeks, some Gentiles, if you will, uh, that happened to be living there, came uh, to Philip, and they expressed their desire. Look again at verse number 21. And, they, uh, and the same came, therefore, to, to Philip, which was up at the state of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir we would see Jesus. These Greeks had come, and Jesus by that time was at the temple, and he was he was teaching there and preaching there. And and, and as Greeks, as, as Gentiles, they were not allowed into the, the temple area. They had to stay on the outside. And, and so here's Philip, who was from the same part of the country where they were. And in fact, Philip had a Greek name. He was a Jew, of course, but he had a Greek name. And, 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 and so apparently he, you know, he was from that same part of the city or area in Bethsaida. And so they come to him, obviously they knew him, and they said, Philip, we would see Jesus. I know for many years, Dr. Lee Robertson at, at uh, Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga had that engraved on a brass plaque, and it was right there on his pulpit. So every time he came to the pulpit, he would see the, the words, sir, we would see Jesus. As a reminder, what we're supposed to be preaching about, amen. And, and so they came to him and they wanted to see him, sir, we would see Jesus. They no doubt had heard of him. They'd heard of his miracles. They had heard of uh, of the people that he'd raised from the dead. They had heard about him coming in, riding on the donkey, and all the people worshiping him. No doubt they wanted to meet him. I submit to you this morning, if Jesus Christ came in the flesh to a church building in Warren, Michigan, all of us would be where he was if we knew about it. Amen? The amazing thing is he, he... He is available for us to meet any time when we come into His presence. I want us to think about that. They said, Sir, we would see Jesus. How do you see Jesus this morning? First of all, I would like for you to see Him as the Son of God. In Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 27, 54, as Jesus was hanging on the cross and, and when He gave up the ghost and the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom and there was that great earthquake and the rocks rent. That centurion who was standing there, it says in Matthew 27, 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Isn't it amazing? One of the people that crucified him testified he's the son of God. But that's not the first time he was testified of that. Uh, in, in Daniel chapter number 3, when Daniel was thrown, I'm sorry, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, and those three were in there for you know, for, for, for that day, and and they look in there, and, and the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, 25, uh, speaking to, uh, about the Nebuchadnezzar, he said, uh, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Can you imagine? I mean, they understood that Jesus was there, the Son of God in the flesh. Do you understand that was the whole purpose for Satan tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter number four when Jesus was there being tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says in verse number three, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be The Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. See, the challenge from Satan to Jesus was if you are who you say you are, Turn these stones into bread. Later in verse number six, and then he saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands shall they bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. He was challenging the the deity of Jesus Christ. I, I submit to you this morning, he is the son of God. You know, when Jesus had walked on the sea in, in Matthew chapter number 14 and he'd walked to the disciples and I've talked about that here before and, and, and he, he, they saw him and they, they thought it was a ghost and then he started speaking to them and, and of course Peter walks out there to him and, and after uh, Peter and Jesus get back to the boat, he stills the storm and the Bible says in Matthew 14, then they that were with him in the ship came and worshiped him saying, of a truth thou art. The Son of God. Mark, uh, in his gospel, in Mark 1, verse number 1, testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We find in Matthew chapter number 8 that the demons professed that he was the Son of God. In verse number 29 of Matthew 8, And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us for our times it says in mark 3 in verse number 11 and unclean spirits when they saw him fell down before him and cried saying thou art the son of god you see this whole bible is full of scripture that tells us over and over again that jesus christ is not just the son of man he's the son of god amen he is the god man and so uh, the, the Bible tells us Matthew 16 and verse number 13 that the disciples testified that Jesus is the Son of God. I love this story in Matthew 16, beginning of verse number 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's a good question. Jesus asked his followers, Who are people saying I am? And, and the, the response was this in verse 14. They said, Some say thou art John the Baptist. And some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? That's a good question, and it's one every one of us must answer. I love Peter's answer. Then Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Of course, we know the next verse where Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Catholics say, well, see, Jesus uh, says that Peter was the rock. No, the rock was the statement that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's the foundation of our church. Amen. It's not on Peter. Peter was a sinful man just like you and I. No, the rock, the foundation is that Jesus is the Christ. You see, that's exactly what Mary was promised in Luke one and verse number thirty-five. And the angel answered and said unto her, "The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing, uh, therefore that holy thing which which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God." It was John the Baptist who testified in John one and verse number thirty-four, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Nathanael testified in John 1 49, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. You understand that belief is the key to salvation. Uh, Take your Bible, keep your place here in John 12, but go over if you will to John chapter number three. We know this this chapter fairly well, it's the story of, uh, of Nicodemus. But I want you to jump down to verse number 18. We read verse 16, sometimes verse 17. Verse 18 is an amazing verse. He that believeth on him, John three eighteen. he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now I love the way it words it here when it says the only begotten Son of God. That is identifying that's one person that that's referring to. There's only one person who was God's son in the flesh. That's Jesus. Amen? Now, I'm a son of God. That happened the day I got saved, John 1:12. And if you got saved, uh, you became a child of God. But there's only one begotten, only one virgin-born son of God. That's Jesus. And he said, we go to heaven, but because we believe that. That belief in that He is the Son of God is the key to salvation. Martha, in the previous chapter in John 11, uh, when, when Jesus was clarifying her faith, she said unto Him, Yea, Lord, I believe Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. These men came to, Jesus, to, to Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Jesus tells them who He is in John 19. And verse number 7 The Bible says, and the Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he hath made himself the son of God. That's why the Jews hated him. Because he claimed to be the son of God. And let me just say, he is the son of God. He always was and always shall be. There never was a time when he was not the son of God. We could go all through scripture and see chapter after chapter. Go If you will to Acts chapter number 8. I gave you my life verse a little while ago. um, John chapter 8. And verse number thirty five in this story about Philip and the eunuch, it says that Philip opened his mouth, began the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And if you've got a King James Bible, verse number 37 is there. And and this is what it says. Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God some of the perversions of scripture take the last part of that verse out you see you can believe anything it's not just if thou believest you have to believe that Jesus is the son of God so this morning I say to you let's see Jesus sir we would see Jesus we'll see him as the son of God you understand that's the whole reason for your Bible in John 19, uh, I'm sorry, John number 20, uh, at, at, after Jesus had appeared to the disciples in the upper room on the day of the resurrection in the evening, and then he came back eight days later, and Thomas was there. And, and he, you know, Thomas had said, I won't believe till I see the print of the nails. And so, eight days later, Jesus appeared and said, Thomas, holds out to see my hand, see my side. And he bows down to Jesus and said, My Lord and my God, But I love what it says in John 20, verse number 30 tells us there in John chapter number 20, he says that uh, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing, you might have life through his name. You know, that's why we print John and Romans and hand those out. You you hear scripture printing ministries talking about that. The reason we do that, because the gospel of John is in your Bible for one main purpose. To prove Jesus is God in the flesh. It starts off, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen? I mean, it's the very beginning. John 20 tells us there in verse number 31, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, That believing, uh, that, and that believing you might have life through His name. That's why when you're witnessing to somebody and they're willing to read, get them a copy of the Gospel of John. Why? Because it'll help them have faith to believe Jesus is who He says He is. The Bible tells us that Saul of Tarsus, uh, who became Paul in John? I'm sorry, in Acts nine twenty, says, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. That was the change in Paul. He went from preaching against Christ to presenting Christ as the Son of God. The Bible says in Romans 1, verses 1 through 4, and Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separator of the gospel of God, which he had pro- uh, promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and it declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resur- his resurrection from the dead. He is the son of God. See him to be the son of God. You know, he, there, uh, we don't have time to look at them, but I, I've identified 37 different proofs of the deity of Christ throughout the scriptures that he was omnipotent over disease, omnipotent over demons, over men, over nature, over sin, over traditions, over death. He was omniscient that he, kno- he knew where Nathanael was. He knew the plot of Judas. Uh, he knew the hearts of the Pharisees. He knows everything, amen. Uh, he knew the thoughts of the scribes and he, he he knew the history of the Samaritan woman. He knew the problems of his disciples. He knows everything. He was worshipped uh, as God by the angels. He was worshipped as God by the shepherds. He was worshipped as God by the wise men. He was worshipped as God by the leper, by a ruler, by the Canaanite woman, by a mother, by the maniac of Gadara, by the man born blind, by Thomas and some of the Greeks here in John 12. He was worshipped as God by his apostles. What are you saying? I'm saying see him this morning to be the son of God. I want you to see more than that. Go back to John 12. We'll look at that verse again. I've quoted to you many times, and I just want you to get that. I want you to leave here with this verse ringing in your mind, John 12 and verse 21. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. This was not an abrupt demand but a courteous request. Evidently, Jesus was still in the court of the women where the treasury was. And in the court there, being part of the sanctuary, no Gentile could enter there, as I said before. And so they came to him and said, we want to see Jesus. Why do they want to see him? Because he's the Savior. I love what it says in 1 Timothy 1:15. And this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, Christ came and suffered in my place, and he, he, he suffered in my stead. Why? That I might be saved. John 1, I'm sorry, Matthew 1, 21 One of my favorite verses about the incarnation of Christ is that she shall bring forth a son and that shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. I want you to see him to be the son of God but this morning I want you to see him to be the savior. He is the savior of the world. Luke 2, what what were the shepherds told by the, the angels? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord. In John four forty two, now we believe not because of thy saint; we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. That's what Peter and John were talking about in Acts chapter four, verse number twelve, when they said, "Neither is there salvation in any other; for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must." Be saved. You understand this morning. It's not enough for you to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, but you've got to look him look on him as your Savior. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, "Christ died. That's history. Christ died for me. That's salvation." In fact, at the end of his life, he said, "My theology is boiled down to these four little words: Christ died for me." Oh, what a blessing to know He is our Savior. In Acts chapter 5 verses 30 and 31, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and repentance and forgiveness of sin. Look 19.10 says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, every one of us is a sinner. It does not matter your background. It doesn't matter where you grew up. I'm a preacher's kid. My dad uh, was an evangelist for many years. He's retired now, and I uh, got to talk to dad this week. He's 87 years old, still as healthy as can be, and uh, I thank God for him, and I'm glad he, I grew up in church. It's the only place I ever went. I say I'm a Baptist brat. I mean, that's where I grew up, but you know what? Uh, going to church won't make you a Christian any more than going in a garage will make you an automobile. Amen? It's coming to know Him as your Savior. The Bible says this for, in Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Jesus said in Luke thirteen three: I tell you, Nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We all need a Savior. We have the same problem, and that is sin. Romans five twelve: Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, Jesus, as it says in 1 John 4, 14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus didn't come just to heal blinded eyes and cause deaf ears to hear and mute lips to speak and lame limbs to walk. He came to save sinners. That's why He came. So He said He was announced by the angels as the Savior. I wonder this morning, have you seen Him as the Son of God? Do you see Him as the Savior? Most of us in this room, I'm going to guess, are probably saved. If I were to have a raise of hands, I won't do it right now. But if I were to have a, hand, a raise of hands, how many of you have already trusted Christ? Most of us in this room would raise our hands. And You say, preacher, what's in the message for me? I believe He's the Son of God. I've already called on Him for salvation. What does, sir, we would see Jesus mean to me? I want you to see him this morning not just as the Son of God, not just as the Savior, but I want you to see him as the sustainer. You see, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, when it's giving us those commands about putting on the armor of God, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our problem is we try to live the Christian life in our our strength. We, we try to get through life without Him. The truth is, most of us as believers, we, the way we live our lives, we are practical atheists. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? We don't give any more thought to the presence and power of God on a daily basis than a lost person does. Most of us go about our lives doing what we do because we know how to do it and we, you know, we've got a job, we know how to do our job. We never, get, we never take the time to think The only reason you had strength to get out of bed to go to work is because God gave you that strength. The only reason you had the ability and the mental capacity to do your job is because God gave you that. Everything about us is Him. Uh, The Bible tells in Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead And set him his own right hand at the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is called not only in this world but also in that which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave to him to be the head over all things, which is uh, all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Jesus has all power. We've looked at it a little bit this morning already. The three Hebrew children, they saw his power as he delivered them from the fiery furnace. I wish we had time to go to that chapter and read all of, uh, of Daniel chapter 3. You ought to go home and read it this afternoon. Uh, the first 25 verses. I mean, they're getting ready to be thrown into that furnace. Why? Because they refused to bow to him, to the, to the idol. And, and the king says, no, I'm going to give you a second chance. And, and, and he said, but if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And then he asked, he asked them a question, who is that God? that is able to deliver you. I love their response. They said, King, we're not careful to answer thee. That literally means we're not going to put this in politically correct terms. We believe that he is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand. Then the next verse, but if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not bow. What were they saying? He can deliver us out of the furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand. Well, if they burn up in the furnace, they're out of his hand. All right? That's what they're saying. I mean, that's real Christianity right there. But they're saying he has the power to deliver us, but even if he doesn't deliver us from this, we're still not bowing. I like that kind of Christianity. But God had the power to deliver him. Deliver them. Uh, he delivered Daniel from the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. In Acts chapter 12, he, he delivered Peter from prison. That's a hilarious story. If you ever take the time to read it. I mean, here's Peter, he's in prison, they just killed James. They arrested Peter, they, they want to kill him. And the, the, the church is over at the house of Mary, uh, and that's Barnabas' sister. And they're praying, they're having a church-wide prayer meeting. And, and they're praying all night, and here's, here's, here's Peter in prison, sleeping, chained to two different guards. in the middle of the night, an angel comes and smacks him on the leg and tells him to wake up. He wakes up, and he stands up, the chains fall off, the, the guards stay asleep. And and, and he starts following the the, the angel and the door just opens to the cell. And and all the guards out there are asleep. He goes to the main doors of the prison. They open. You thought those automatic doors were new at Walmart. No, they had them in the prison that day in Acts chapter 12. And then finally, when he gets outside, he, the Bible says he came to himself. He likes, hey, I, I'm awake. This is not a dream. And then he goes to the, to, to, the, to the church. He goes to where they're praying at Mary's house and knocks on the door and little Rhoda comes to the door. He said, who is it? He said, it's Peter. It can't be Peter. We're praying that God will deliver him. Just think about that. God had given the answer to their prayer. Their answer standing at the door. No, it's not Peter. He's in prison. She goes in and tells the people. Peter's at the door. He can't be. We're in here praying him will be delivered from, from, from jail. You ever been there where God answered your prayer and you didn't want to believe he answered it? That's where they were. How did that happen? The power of God. The sustainer. What is it you're fretting about today you don't think God can handle? Paul and Silas in jail in Acts 16. The Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I mean, I love that. When they started singing, I don't know if Paul sang lead, and, 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 and if, if Silas was singing you know, the harmony, and God decided to sing the bass, and that's what shook the prison walls down. I'm not sure what happened, but I do know this. The, walls, uh, the, the, the prison doors opened, all the bands were loose, everybody's chains fell off, and God delivered them. He's mighty to sustain you today. He is the sustainer. Charles Spurgeon said, you believe in God for your soul, believe in Him about your poverty. Believe in Him about your sick wife or dying child. Believe in God about your losses and your debts. If you're in the furnace of adversity, He can sustain you. If, you're, if the lions of hell are biting about your feet, He can sustain you. If you're in the prison of despair and doubt, He can sustain you, Sir, We would see Jesus. You understand that Jesus is the answer to man's oldest and greatest problem, sin. He is the answer uh, to, to man's oldest and greatest fear, death. He is God's answer to man's oldest and greatest quest, life. He is the answer to man's oldest and greatest question, where do I go from here? You see, at the cross, the soldiers saw him as a criminal with cruelty. The women saw him as a benefactor with sorrow. The mother of Christ saw him as a son with anguish. The disciples saw in Christ their their, their blighted hopes with perplexity. The first thief saw Jesus as as a malefactor, a sinner just like them with hardness. The second thief saw in Jesus as the king of glory with repentance. The centurion saw Jesus in divinity with conviction. The priest saw in Jesus an imposter with mockery. The angels saw in Jesus, uh, they saw Jesus' love uh, with wonder. The devil saw in Christ the seed of a woman with dismay while well, he knew he was about to get crushed. Uh, the the, the passerby saw Jesus as nothing with indifference. And Jehovah saw in Christ obedience with affliction. I ask you today, what do you see in him? What is he to you? You see, our whole Bible is full of Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. You open this book on any page, you'll find Jesus. You see, in Genesis, he's he, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our great high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is the judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet in the kings and chronicles he is our reigning king in Ezra he is the faithful scribe in Nehemiah he is the rebuilder of the broken down walls of our human life in Esther he's our Mordecai in Job he is our day spring from on high and our ever-living redeemer in Psalms he is our shepherd in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes he is our wisdom in the song of Solomon he is our lover and our bridegroom in Isaiah he is the prince of peace in Jeremiah he is the righteous branch in limitations he is the weeping prophet in Ezekiel he is the wonderful four-faced man in Daniel he is the fourth man in the burning fiery furnace in Hosea he is the faithful husband forever married to the backslider in Joel he is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and with fire in Amos he is our burden bearer in Obadiah, he is the mighty to save in Jonah he is the great foreign missionary in Micah he is the messenger of beautiful feet of carrying the gospel in Nahum he is the avenger of God's elect in in Habakkuk he is God's evangelist crying revive thy work in the midst of the years in Zephaniah he is the savior in Haggai he is the restorer of God's lost heritage in Zechariah he is the fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness in Malachi he is the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the wonder worker. In in, in Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Corinthians, he is the gifts of the Spirit. In, In Galatians, he is the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is the God who supplies all needs. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he is the soon-coming king, maybe today, amen. In 1 and 2 Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. And in Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philippians, I'm sorry, in Philemon, he is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is the great physician. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd who shall soon appear, With a crown of unfading glory. In the epistles of John, he is God's everlasting love. And in Revelation, he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me ask you this morning, how do you see him? Who is he to you? You see, he is the advocate, he is the anointed. He is the apostle. He is the author, the amen, the alpha, the ancient of days. He's born of a woman. He is the beginning, the begotten, the beloved, the branch, the bread, the bridegroom. He is the bright and morning star. He is the bishop of our souls. He is the brightness of the Father's glory. He is the cluster of camphor. He's called the captain, the consolation. He is our chief cornerstone. He is our counselor. He is the covenant. He is chosen of God, and he's our Christ. He is the daysman. He's the deliverer. He's the day spring. He's the day star. He's the designer of all nations. He is the door. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the forerunner. He is our friend. He is the first fruits. He is the faithful witness. He is the fountain of life issuing from the caves of death. He is God. He is the gift of God. He is the governor. He is guide. He is glorious Lord. He is our help He is our hope. He is our husband. He is the Lord of salvation. He is the hearer. He is the head of the church. He is the heir of all things. He is the high priest. He's hell's dread. and heaven's wonder, he is the Holy One. He is the I Am. He is the inheritance, the image of God's person. He is immortal. He is invisible. He is judge. He is Judah. He is just He's Jesus, amen. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is King everlasting. He's King eternal. He is life. He is light, He is light, He is the lily, He is the lion, He is the lamb, He is the lawgiver, He is the living stone, He is the Lord of glory, He is the messenger, He's the mediator, He is the master, He is the Messiah, He is the mighty God, He is mercy's paradox, He is the Nazarene, He's the offspring of David, He is the omega, the only begotten of the Father, He is the offering and the offerer, He is the priest. He is Passover. He is potentate. He is the prophet. He is propitiation. He is the prince of life. He is the prince of peace. He is the physician. He is the righteousness. He is rabbi. He is ransom. Rest. Rest. He is the root of Jesse. He is the root of David. He is called the refiner. He is our refuge. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the rose of Sharon, blossoming out of the shades of hell. He is the ruler. He is the redeemer. He is the rock of ages. He is regenerate breath, rekindling the dead fire on the soul's lost altar. He is the stone. He is the shepherd. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is our shield. He is the servant. He is the to the woman. He's surety. He's the sufferer. He's the savior. He's the sinless sacrifice. The same yesterday, today and forever. He is the teacher. He is truth. He is the tabernacle. He is the testator. He is the treasure. He is the tree of life. He is a teacher. He is the witness. He is the word. He is the way. He is the wisdom of God. And He is the wonderful one in all things to all ages. He is the lovely and mighty Christ, beyond all comprehension of our limited mind. His name is the sweetest name on mortal tongues, sweetest carol ever ever sung. But let me ask you a question. Who is He to you this morning? Have you seen Him as the Son of God? Do you know who He is? The second question is, have you seen Him as the Savior? Have you personally looked to him in faith, realizing that because of your sin, you deserve hell forever as the price for your sin, but Jesus paid your sin when he died on the cross, was buried and rose again, and he offers to you a gift of eternal life. If you've not yet trusted him, would you come to him today as your savior? If this morning you're a believer and you're struggling, you don't think you can make it, would you look at him again and see that he is the sustainer? Let's have every head bowed. Every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I've done the best I could today to lift up your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you help those of us that are saved to get a fresh look at Him? I pray for these that are here that maybe that have not yet trusted Christ. Would you help them to look in faith to Him as the Savior today?